day on the Scott Thompson Show on AM 900 CHML. You know, I remember a time when uh, I was growing up and my parents, I swear they were American, man. Even though, uh, you know, my mom was an immigrant. You know, America, America, America. Oh, it's just better in the States. Everything's better in the States. You know, you get those little cans of Coca-Cola in the States. You know, you get those cheesies you can't get up here. You know, everything's better in the United States. We should all strive to be U.S. citizens. Uh, That was sort of what my parents' generation was like. And then as I grew up and we became more conscious Canadians and what Canadians were all about... Uh, I think you see a lot less than that. And and I don't think as many Canadians want to be Americans anymore. Matter of fact, it looks like it's turning right the way around and more Americans want to be Canadians. As a matter of fact, there's a new Ipsos uh, poll out done for Global News that says Americans would rather have Trudeau over Trump. They don't even know where we are, let alone who our prime minister is. What the heck is happening? To talk more about all of this, Theo Sellis is with us, registered family therapist, president of Integrity Works, and he is with us now. Hello, Theo. How are you today? I'm doing well. I didn't grow up with that, you know. Like, my parents never got the never sort of presented the idea. Really? We used to travel. We used to get, we used to pack up the car in the uh, tent trailer and go down to Myrtle Beach every summer. And my parents would just rant and rave about how great it was in America. And, you know, I just don't think this generation has that. Your parents just weren't as patriotic as mine. (laughs) My my buddies and I used to load up and go across the border to get cheap beer and chicken wings. Maybe we thought the chicken wings were better, but yeah, that was, that's also a big draw too. Uh, but you know, it wasn't that long ago and, and I'm sure it hasn't changed much. A lot of people in the United States don't even know anything about Canada. How come all of a sudden we're on the radar? They still don't know anything about Canada. <laughs> they just know it's better than where they are. They just are unhappy with where they are. Is, is, that, that, is that what it's really about? Is it about them yeah. being unhappy or us being so damn happy? Look, this poll that said that they'd rather have Trudeau than Trump, it's pretty meaningless. If you'd had a poll saying a crayon or Trump... <laughs> Everyone would go, wow, people are really loving crayons now. I thought that was back in the day. We didn't like crayons so much. Now everyone loves crayons again. I don't think it's really about what they know or love about us. I think. So uh, let, know, let me let me interrupt here, Theo. So maybe they're just putting Trudeau up there the same way that they did Trump. In other words, anything but the status quo, let's go with Trump. So anything with Trump, let's. Uh, what about Trudeau? What's he doing? Well, plus he's cute, right? Yeah. So uh, he's been. He's got you know, better hair. Like a, a media, media, that's right. He's got better hair. Not as interesting hair, but still better hair, I suppose. I'm not much of a judge of hair. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he certainly has been kind of the social darling kind of thing. I don't think they know anything about Trudeau or his policies or Canada. Or, I don't think they, you know, I think that they're just really scared and unhappy and worried about having found themselves actually electing this thing. How do you think they're feeling right now? Have you ever, like, in your limited time on the planet, have you ever remembered a reaction after an election like this where the country just seems to be totally deflated? I, I, you know, I don't, you know. I, I mean, there was a brief, um, you know, the recount thing in Florida yeah. with uh, Gore, the whole, with the Gore get ripped off and um, how did the W get in again? So there was, like, a brief, but there wasn't the same kind of, like, this is crazy. Like this is panicky. This is like we've we've elected someone who, you know, turns out not surprising, I suppose, if you paid attention, that really doesn't really isn't really qualified to run our country. We, we've 
we're like, what's going to happen now? It's totally unpredictable. Uh, people are really, really scared. And so, um, yeah, give them a choice, any choice besides Trump, and a lot of them will pick that one. Uh, are they scared or is this sour grapes? I mean, it seems that, you know, it's more about team. It's more about extreme politics, whether it's the left or the right. And, and, and again, it's all about winning. It's all about the team. You're either with us or you're not. Well, it's kind of scary, you know, that people have been taught to sort of see it as a left or right issue. And, you know, I hope that we kind of get beyond that at point at some point in time and look at policy as opposed to position. You know, we've always voted this way, so we're always going to vote that way. It's us against them kind of thing. I think that's part of the issue. That's part of the reason why he got elected, because people didn't really pay much attention to substance. They just sort of paid attention to sort of history and uh, some sort of desire for change. And, and, and I think there was a certain amount of com- complacency, like, oh, he'll never get in. There's no, and so, you know, I'll have to go vote against him, because I, they weren't really voting for Hillary so much, but they didn't feel they had to vote against him, because a lot of people just didn't think it was possible for him to actually get elected, right? So I think now that he has, people are going, holy crap, like, that. now what do we do? Like, this is, I think it's, uh, it's not just sour grace, it's like real worry, real fear of having kind of, um, you know, a new low in terms of uh, positioning around truth and integrity. <clears throat> Actually elected someone who everyone knew was a liar, but elected them anyway. And now we have someone in with alternate facts. <laughs> and people don't, know what to, people don't know what to expect anymore. It's terrifying to have someone call up another leader, world leader, and then abruptly end the conversation after yelling at them. Like, what? That's pretty scary, right? What, how are we gonna How are we gonna cope? So people just don't know what to do anymore. People are people don't like that that sort of unpredictability. It scares them. Uh, could we uh, do a poll like this after any election, and the people who didn't like uh, the outcome would say the same thing, no matter who the leader was? I don't. You know what? I don't. I don't think so. Because I think that oftentimes there's a brief sort of let's see how it goes kind of period, like mm-hmm. a bit of a. You know, the incoming president or prime minister usually gets like a pretty fairly high favorability rating. Like, hey, he's their guy kind of thing, so we'll give him a chance and, and, and see how it goes. This is unprecedented in terms of, uh, I don't think there's ever been that much of a negative reaction. The, 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 the unpopularity poll, I guess that's one way of putting it, has never been this low for someone who's just been elected in, in such a short period of time. It usually takes a while for people to go, hey, I didn't get what I wanted, so now I'm mad and I want somebody else. <laughs> they're skipping that phase, and they're just like, now they want someone else because they never thought that they were going to get this guy in the first place, and now they're scared about it. Hmm. Uh, Brexit, a protest vote, same sort of thing happened. Trump, protest vote, now we see what we have. Does this kill the protest vote? I don't think so. I think that that's, uh, what, what will kill a protest vote is actually teaching people a little bit about um, being democratic and critical thinking and making choices that are based on like real research, real information rather than, you know, I just don't, you know, I'm happy. I'm unhappy. I'm not going to want from this person. I'll just vote for that person. I don't, I don't, I don't think anything will change unless we actually become a little bit more educated about being engaged in the choices that we make and how we make choices, not just based on emotion um, or just pure desire for something different. You know, and a lot of that has to do with whether people are going to be educated, allow themselves to be educated about issues, because um, that, you know, takes a bit of time, you know, having to learn about things. It's kind of a pain. Yeah, and all that reading and stuff. I know, reading uh, and thinking. Yeah, oh. it, 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 it just amazed me through this whole process how uh, if people say things over and over or long enough that, that or loud enough that eventually people will start believing them. 
uh, as truth. Uh, the other day, Trump came out and, and spoke out that there's all these terrorist attacks that are just not even being reported and actually talked about the two terrorist attacks that were up here at the War Memorial in Ottawa and then the one in the Quebec parking lot. And it uh, just keeps painting this picture of that it's creating all this confusion and that all they're being fed is lies and he's the only one telling the truth. How does that screw with a country's psyche? Like, I mean, can people just go on and live their lives and ignore this crap? I mean, isn't it affecting people in some way? Well, you know, a couple things about that. That's not, a, first of all, that whole idea, that youth, that sort of telling things over and over again until it becomes um, what people believe, regardless of whether it's true. That's a, that's a Joseph Goebbels. Uh, that's how this his that was his uh, stance, right? Now he actually said that all you have to do is tell yeah. it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until it becomes the he didn't say the same the, my words, but kind of the main story, the narrative that everyone yeah. buys into. Uh, what what that does is dumbs down citizens and makes them more likely, more easily manipulated, <clears throat> makes it more likely for people to be able to take on more of an authoritarian role in society and 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 you know when people allow that to happen they give up their democratic rights <clears throat> you know that same thing with the whole attack on media if you keep on saying leftist media leftist media leftist media leftist media they're against me they're against me they're against me false news false news false news now you've effectively dismantled um, a watch guard that is actually working for people to hold you accountable so you in the you've changed that in the minds of people who would benefit from that watchdog um, and now you can more likely just do whatever you want because the, the thing that was protecting them has been kind of neutered. Hey, it's a watchdog thing, <laughs> neutered, uh, so that hmm. people don't have that protection anymore, and they actually think, you know, they, they buy into that. <clears throat> Why are we becoming so extreme? I think, uh, I think there's a direct connection between that and the distribution of wealth. I think you can't ignore... Uh, the shrinkish, shrinkish. I mean, the, the larger the the increasing gap between the has and the have-nots. Uh, it's obscene if you think about what the one percent has, and that's become kind of almost cliche, the one percent. But you have uh, more and more people who are really struggling to be able to make ends meet or to feel secure, to be able to feel confident that they can provide for their families. And when that happens, um, you are going to have to be. You are in a more extreme position. You know, people who are, you know, really worried about paying bills, paying uh, electricity, being able to put food on their table, being able to put a roof over their heads, they're not, you know, they're not inclined, they're not in the mood to be engaging in deep philosophical conversations about social, environmental, political issues. They're not, you know, they're not going to be engaged in questions like what's the meaning of life when they're focused on just living. And so when you're in a position of perceived need and desperation, of course you're going to be more extreme. That just makes sense. And Trump seems to prey on this. Like he, uh, it's best when he's created chaos. He likes it when there's chaos. If it's smooth, he doesn't seem to be too interested. Well, this is the flip side of um, the dark side of maybe having elected someone in who's got severe, some poss- the possibility of, you know, a pretty serious personality disorder. You know, it's not just you know you don't want to you don't want to say that Theo, but you know without without you know proof of some sort. But it, it boy, well, how, how do you not arrive at that conclusion at some point? Well, that's why I said possibilities. You know, I can't diagnose him. I can't assess no. him. He's not my client anyway. But let's face it, we 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 have you know elected. They have elected a person, 
and, and, you know, people have issues, mental health issues. We can talk all we want about one in five people have mental health issues. <clears throat> that makes sense. Actually, I think, you know, it, everyone at some point in time in their life is going to have mental health issues. So it's, why wouldn't it be possible that we or someone would be elected who had a mental health issue and some mental health issues? And again, I mean, lots of people, like I said, everyone's got mental health issues at different times. They are able to be effective and they're not dangerous. Uh, but some mental health issues have particular issues associated with them that may not make them a really good fit for this kind of office and uh, and sort of suits that chaos-seeking kind of uh, profile that you're describing. Uh, what, and, and I've talked about this so many times since this whole election, what can Canadian politicians learn from this? Uh, everyone's really quick to point out the extremes like the Donalds or the Kevin O'Leary's or the Kelly Leeches, and we don't want Trump-style politics coming up here. Um, but I profess that they're paving the way for that st- style of politics to come up here with the elitism, for example, that we saw with Liz Sandals, the Treasury uh, president the other day, you know, yeah. denouncing people who rode the GO train. I mean, to me, it's that kind of elitism that just paves the way for this sort of thing. What are we learning from it? Uh, I, you know, what we're learning from it is that, you know, this works. You know, where it's worked, it's worked within the States. Why wouldn't it work in Canada? Um, so in terms of like a practical speaking, there are people who are going to step forward and who are going to behave like this and hope to have the same kind of reaction from voters. In terms of what our politicians are learning who don't want to be like this, I'm not sure that they're learning much. When you do, when you hear comments like that, I mean, it just makes you, it just, you, you got to just shake your head. Like, how do you, how detached do you have to be from the people who you're counting on to support you and to reelect you at some point in time to be so minimizing of them, to be so dismissive, dismissive of them. Like, you know, so, you know, if you really, if you really want to, um, you know, win the hearts of people, you have to actually show that you know them, that you understand them, that you care for them, that you love them, and that their cause is yours as opposed to, you know, you're just in it for yourself so you can get another four years at the trough. Do you think this is as turbulent at time as it was during the civil rights movement of the 60s? Well, you know, it's sort of like, you know, getting there. You know, it's hard for me to say. I mean, I didn't, you know, wasn't sort of aware at that particular yeah. time because I was so, so young. But, I mean, it's getting that place. And, and, I, and I think, you know, it's got a potential, hopefully, for some real pauses that way because uh, that was a time when a lot of people actually got engaged and, and, and started marching and came, becoming more active and, and so I, I, you know, I'm really, you know, I, I have to be positive about this next four years. I have to find some way of being able to kind of get through this. Cause, and so the thing that I'm, I'm looking at is that maybe this will be kind of like a tipping point. Like this might be like this, holy crap, something has to be done. If it's gotten to this point, if we've hit Trump bottom, then maybe, you know, maybe we really got to look at who we are, our own democracy, who's being left out, why why were people so angry? Why did he get voted in the first place? I mean, I hope the Democratic Party really looks at that and says, like, you know, where did we go wrong? Where did we fall short? My belief is that if they had actually not undermined Bernie, he would have been the change that people would have elected, uh, and he would have been um, the president at this point. But they took the safe route, and uh, I think they're getting burned for that. So maybe it's time for them to overhaul their party and see what they stand for. And uh, a lot of people in the States, a lot of citizens are getting way more involved and kind of calling for that to happen. So on that level... I kind of have to see the silver lining in that way, or else I'll just curl up in that fetus position for the next four years, Scott. I can't do that. We uh, already saw protest commercials during the Super Bowl. Is we going to start hearing protest songs soon? 
Well, that's uh, you know, I hope they're like folk songs again. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> the young, the young bloods are coming back with their new folk songs. You know, it's interesting that whole concept. They like people. You know, we've often we've so long used sports as our being like an escape. You know, this is the way we get away from the world. It's yeah. like that private haven. It's one of the reasons why I love my football. Is I, for three and a half, four hours, I get to turn off my mind and cheer enthusiastically for something that I know really doesn't matter, but for four hours I can shut out the rest of the world. Uh, maybe we don't have that luxury anymore. Maybe we shouldn't expect that luxury anymore. Maybe, you know, maybe because it's uh, an event, it's an opportunity to have voices heard. Maybe maybe um, it's dangerous to be having all these sort of distractions Maybe we need to welcome actually people who are using that stage and actually creating us, you know, creating an environment where we actually be thinking more about what's happening with us and, and what we should be doing about it. Maybe we, maybe it's not, you know, maybe we shouldn't be passive at this point in time. Theo Sellis has been with us, registered family therapist, president of Integrity Works, talking about all things Trump and Trump and Trudeau and Trump in America and Trump and everything else. Uh, Theo, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we'll chat about something like this. Thank you again for the time. Much appreciated. Take care, Scott. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play and listen to The Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.